0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp and on the other line from the Washington Post, Ben Golliver. What's up man?
1: Not too much Andrew. It's amazing just like clockwork how after the All-Star break everybody goes into like, you know, deceleration mode, hangover mode. You and I were kind of in that
0: groove yeah, we were in the after same the do du-
1: Yeah, after that Duke basketball game, it just kind of sapped us. We needed a couple days to sort of recover and get our bearings, but we're not alone, Andrew. I'm looking around the league, and I'm seeing it everywhere. Most of all, from your Boston Celtics, I don't know how in the world you can continue to be a fan of this Boston Celtics team. Their effort against the Chicago Bulls was bordering on (laughs) a front to basketball, a front to the game. I mean, Zach Levine is just basically jogging through all five men untouched going from the three-point line to the hoop for dunks. Lowry Markkinen's pulling up for off the dribble threes down the fourth quarter stretch. Kyrie Irving and those guys have no response. It was embarrassing, man. And look, I'm not really going to overreact because we are in this little hangover section of the season, yeah. uh, but you know, Boston is indicative of a wider trend we're seeing around the league right now.
0: Well, I mean, don't forget, that was a revenge game for uh, Boylan's boys out there because I believe the Celtics were the team that beat Chicago by, like, 45 or 50 and precipitated the practice the day after, the morning after that game, and then the uh, near-mutiny that the Bulls had. So congrats to Lowry Markadon, who had 35 and 15 in that game, fresh off of All-Star Weekend and dunking on your... uh, (laughs) nerdy nike shoes um so yeah i mean the bulls are funny though because they're one of those teams that like i think there are three or four teams around the nba where any loss by a contender to the bulls prompts immediate panic and like team meeting mode and yet i think the celtics have kind of been in that mode for like three or four months now and have just been angsty week in and week out so i'm not sure how much will really change there But I will say, I mean, I was watching the Warriors-Rockets game Saturday night, and I looked down at the box score from Boston and Chicago. and was just baffled by how that happens. I mean, it's kind of incredible.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, it's not just the Celtics. Like The San Antonio Spurs, who I try to ride for when I can, went into Madison Square Garden, a place where every (laughs) road team (laughs) had won for more than two months straight, and they somehow got dropped pretty hard uh, by the New York Knicks.
0: Were you watching the Oscars last night? Probably not.
1: Of course not, Andrew. Okay. How, do you even, how do you ask these hypothetical questions? If you want to talk about the Oscars, just start talking about the Oscars. No, Don't no, set it no. up by asking me a question you already know the answer <laughs> to. Of course I didn't watch the Oscars.
0: Well, all right. At one point, Samuel L. Jackson came out to present a few different awards, and he began by uh, telling Spike Lee, who was in the audience, that the Knicks beat the Spurs. And he said, the Knicks beat the Spurs 130-118 to or whatever the score was. And I was shocked because, number one, any Knicks win is cause for amazement this year. But also, for them to score 130 on the Spurs, I don't know how that happens. Like, did Dennis Smith Jr. have some some sort of -of out-of-body experience? I have no idea.
1: Well, Dennis Smith Jr. did almost kill Davis Bertans. I mean, it was like... Eighty-five percent on a on a dunk (laughs) attempt. I mean, it was very close to you know requiring medical assistance and and grave attention from the training staff. But I guess this just proves my point. Everyone's downshifting right now, and I think we've made this uh, this case before in previous seasons. Let's not overreact to what happens in this little you know two week uh, window of basketball because there are important storylines. I mean, definitely the West bubble chase definitely the seedings, you know, towards the top of the Eastern Conference, like those things will matter. But in terms of like the least important basketball and what's happening on the court uh, over the course of the 82 game season, other than maybe the last week of the season, if everything's already been settled, uh, this is pretty much the bottom of the barrel.
0: Yeah, we're firmly in the dog days here. I will say it's somewhat noteworthy that like looking around the league, it's hard to find teams that are actually feeling good. I, and I think we talked about this like a month or two ago. I mean, like you've got the bucks. I would say the Kings and the Nets are playing with house money and feeling pretty great right now.
1: Slow down. Before you get to the rest of this take, can we just stop and and praise the Milwaukee Bucks and how incredible they are for a minute? Do you realize they put up their fifth game this season in 59 games under coach Mike Budenholzer, scoring 140 or more points? They just dropped the Timberwolves the other night. That's more 140 point games than they've had in the previous three decades combined, Andrew. This to me sounds like a juggernaut. Sounds like the Eastern Conference champions, does it not?
0: Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, But beyond that, like I don't know. I mean, look around the league. I guess the Blazers are probably feeling good. The Nuggets also in that same boat. But um, there's a lot of unease, like almost everywhere else in the NBA, unless you're tanking and feeling good about losing 60 games. I think there are three or four teams who are in that boat, but um, the middle of the league is pretty angsty this year. And I don't know whether that's a reaction to the Warriors or just sort of like, a tra- we're all kind of transitioning to a new yeah. era and a new hierarchy next year. I don't know.
1: It's a copycat league, Andrew. Some of these guys see these superstars being disgruntled and they just want in on the action. It's the <laughs> oldest thing in the book. I'm watching somebody's IG story. Oh, that looks pretty amazing. I want to go do that. That's that's all it is. I I'm mean,
0: jealous of your unhappiness. Okay, no,
1: I, I really think it is like <laughs> LeBron and Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard are real trailblazers in terms of wearing their negative emotions on their sleeves here in the last 12 months and now everybody wants to get in on the action. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of a unfortunate turn. I mean, I, in general, I like transparency, but if that means we have to hear these guys whining about every little twist of their season uh, for six months straight, like we're seeing from Kyrie Irving and the Boston Celtics, then maybe there is such a thing as too much transparency.
0: Yeah, it's a weird vibe uh, pretty much everywhere this year. But um, speaking of twists, Let's focus on one subplot that is going to be dominant for the next month or two. Um, Austin says, Hey guys, we got lots of good NBA games this week, especially surrounding that eighth seed in the West. So how do you guys see things shaking out out there? Um, So what's your take? What do you you see right now as you look at the final spot in the West? And I guess we could throw the seventh seed in the mix too, because it seems like there are five teams fighting for two spots at the bottom of the West.
1: Well, it's so tight if you look at the standings, but it's fascinating that the playoff projection models tell such a completely different story. So I just want to look at this real quick uh, for you. Mm -hmm. On ESPN's playoff odds right now, the Spurs are at 89% to get in. The Clippers are at 82% to get in. The Kings are at 17% to get in. The Lakers are only at 6% to get in. If you go to Basketball Reference... Uh, you're looking at the Spurs are at 79%, the Clippers are at 79%, the Kings are at 34%, and the Lakers are at 5%. So that is absolutely not what we would expect if you're just – you know conventional wisdom is going to say, oh, LeBron's going to make it. He's going to pull these guys through. And I imagine that those odds are being tilted by the fact that they played so poorly without him that they're going to look worse to models and worse – on paper than they actually are, uh, well, You know, that being the Lakers.
0: The other question I had, though, because I saw those same odds, I and this is one where I truly don't know how it works, but are they factoring in the changes to the Clippers roster that happened over the last couple weeks?
1: Uh, most likely not. There may be some recency adjustment there. I'm not sure, but... I think a big thing driving it is actually the strength of schedule because if you look at that in terms of who's got the toughest remaining games, yeah. the Lakers have a significantly tougher closing stretch than do the Clippers or the Kings. The kings of those three teams actually have the easiest but the Lakers have to play the bucks twice the Raptors, the Warriors, the Nuggets, and the Thunder. you know that's no joke. Meanwhile the Kings get to you know feast on uh, the Phoenix Suns. The, uh the Knicks twice the Cavaliers the Bulls and of course you know one of the worst teams in the league the Washington Wizards so i mean <laughs> there's a real disparity there and i think we've reached the point where like my blind faith in LeBron Andrew is really being tested yeah i mean beginning the way the they, i mean talk about another team that did not come out of the all-star break with sort of the right mojo in terms of the Lakers losing badly to the New Orleans Pelicans without Anthony Davis. Um, Embarrassing loss. Apparently LeBron took a long time to collect himself after the game. That's a big red flag. He started talking about urgency. You know, there's another red flag. And he said he was going to activate playoff mode. Well, can I see it on the defensive end, LeBron? Can we activate, you know, playoff level finals MVP chase down block level LeBron on the defensive end to really provide some leadership yeah. uh, to go along with the offensive, uh, you know, stat accumulation, because to me, that's the missing element in in terms of the consistency of the Lakers, if they don't play better defense. And by the way, they can't expect Lonzo to be the guy who comes back and fixes it because it doesn't sound like <laughs> he's really that much, you know, that close to being ready to go. And I think he would help them a lot because yeah. Rondo has been a really rough watch. But he could be a week, two weeks away, and they can't expect to just kind of like bide their time. I mean, they've got to stack up victories right now.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, two things on Lonzo. Number one, I do wonder when we're going to start factoring durability into how we talk about Lonzo, because he hasn't really had a prolonged stretch of health since he's been in the NBA. And um, he does certainly have flashes where you're like, wow. This is a player who is unlike anyone else in the league or a lot of fun to watch, really smart. And there is reason to be excited. But, uh, I think his health is, is an issue along with the jumper, along with the free throw shooting, along with like various other glaring holes in his game that we should kind of factor in when we talk about him and his value. Um, but additionally, the idea that the Lakers are missing Lonzo and he's the piece who's going to come back and like help them be an above-average defense all of a sudden... I, I don't know. That rings a little bit hollow to me. Um, and Well, it goes they back. need him, though. Look, well, to be honest, do though, need they him. need no, him. A, he would he, help. There's he, no
1: question he would help.
0: He he would help, but he's not the solution to everything that ails this team. And it goes back to stuff that we said. I don't know whether it was in the preview podcast or somewhere in the course of our, like, 30 days of NBA previews. I believe I said that, you know, I don't see LeBron being on an above-average defense for the rest of his career just because of the way he's wired these days in the regular season and I think we're seeing that come to fruition and um, and it's certainly he's he's not the only problem because there are other guys you can look at that roster and be like they're not going to guard very well <laughs> and they're gonna have some issues um, but LeBron is no longer the guy who can help solve those problems on defense and I think that's just a factor of aging in his mortality and that's part of what we're seeing this season.
1: He can play better defense than he's playing right now. That's my point. And we've seen it in recent postseason runs. And I think he's got to just start realizing it's going to be a disaster for him and the Lakers if they miss the playoffs. They've got to at least make it, even if they get run off the court by the Golden State Warriors, which would definitely happen. I mean, that would be a sweep with an average margin of victory, probably somewhere between 18 and 68 points. Um but they need to make the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no 68. doubt about it. I mean, um, so, so Somewhere in there. Well, um, let me
0: ask you something, because uh, I'm curious, you know, at what point do we see Lakers fans begin to turn on LeBron? And we see, like, a, a Kobe fan uprising because I think he's gotten the benefit of the doubt from the majority of Lakers fans throughout this season, and it speaks to, like, the thirst that that fan base has had for any kind of relevance and, uh, and they were willing to overlook a lot of kind of shortcomings with LeBron um, or at least potential downsides that came with this era. Um, And, you know, even back in the preseason, LeBron came out and said, I don't have to prove anything to these guys. Like I'm LeBron James. I I wonder how long that is going to last because at some point people are going to turn around. And I think it started this weekend where he, he questioned whether basketball was the first priority in in the lives of guys like Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram and like the rest of that team, which you know it goes without saying. You could ask the same about LeBron, and um, so that's what I'm watching for over the next two months. I don't really see this Lakers team making the playoffs, but I'm more curious for like how how that plays around LA.
1: Like I said, it's gonna play like a disaster if they miss the playoffs. <laughs> I mean there's there's no way to spin it. I mean you could try to they're gonna to try to use the excuse of, oh, he was injured, they were playing great before the injury, but I mean that's not gonna stick when you're talking about a, a franchise that came in expecting, you know, potentially to make a run at the conference finals or at least the second round of the postseason. I mean, I think for sure it would cost Luke Walton his job if they missed the playoffs. I mean that's that's yeah. there's no question about that. I think it would lead to some major roster shakeup this summer around LeBron. And I, I've said this before, but and you think it's silly because you don't think these guys actually care. The stuff about being the best all-around player in the world—that's a title that LeBron has grown accustomed to for about ten years now. Mm-hmm. That's gone if they miss the playoffs, and I think that's a bigger deal than you're you're willing to let on. Because if he's not able to sort of lord over the rest of the league and kind of have that super duper respect factor um, that he has enjoyed here for the last five, six, seven, eight years. Um, that's going to change his perception, you know, whether it's attracting free agents, we all, we've already seen him struggle in that regard here the last couple of years. Uh, But I think it's also going to shift perception of him within his own locker room. Like if you can be the savior and drag this team into the playoffs, then you can get away with some of the nonsense in terms of the comments that you just mentioned, or taking plays off on defense, or taking games or weeks off on defense. But, you know, at some point, People start to, to see the same kind of bargains that were going on with Kobe uh, in the last couple of years, and LeBron would be fast-tracked towards that kind of a conversation, and that's not where he expected to be when he signed that four-year deal with the Lakers. I mean, he thought he was going to have three solid, I'm-a-goat, on-top-of-the-world-type years with the Lakers for sure, and it's trending the wrong way quickly and I mean, here's the thing, like if they don't make the playoffs this year and they don't get a superstar this summer, then what, you know, are well, we really yeah. forecasting them to make the playoffs next
0: year? And the Lakers made a lot of those bargains with Kobe after he won five titles out there. <laughs> and so and had a hundred percent like
1: fan fan uh, appreciation, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And,
0: and I understand why fans would have stood by Kobe through all that, because it's like, look. This guy won five titles. We're willing to live through a couple kind of twilight seasons that are more depressing than they are thrilling, and that's fine. Um, But if that happens with LeBron, I think the conversations are going to be a lot more complicated. Um, But that's...
1: Well, this is why I brought up the jersey retirement and the statue and all that (laughs) stuff. because (laughs) He's getting the
0: the mini statue next to Kobe, and it's going to be great. Yeah, I don't know.
1: So if you had to guess who gets these last couple of seeds, um I heard some skepticism about the Clippers on your behalf. Are you ready to, to hop in with De'Aaron Fox and say the Kings are gonna make it?
0: Absolutely. Listen, I mean basically the reason I included this is because I'm all in on the Kings and uh and I'm a lot more excited about a potential Kings playoff run than a Lakers playoff run. And I feel like you saw the Kings Thursday night went toe-to-toe with Golden State for the third time this season. Somehow they play those guys close every single time they play. And then Saturday night, they went into Oklahoma City and beat the Thunder. Granted, the Thunder were coming off a back-to-back after double OT against the Jazz. But, like, that's a big win. And the the Kings continue to win games that I think everyone would, would pencil in as a loss. And... Um, couple that with a schedule that gets a little a little bit easier down the stretch and this could get pretty interesting. And I, I think a lot of it does start with De'Aaron Fox as kind of like the emotional fulcrum for that team. And he's helped change a lot of the energy around them. Uh it's it's pretty great. I wanna see where it goes.
1: Yeah, it's the flip side of what I was saying earlier about the conventional wisdom, trusting in LeBron. The conventional wisdom says write off Sacramento because if you've been writing off Sacramento for the last 14 years, you've been right you yeah. know, 14 out of 14 <laughs> it's years. It's a good bet. But at the same time, the schedule stuff is a real thing you know, because there's not that many games left, right? So if you've just got all these cupcakes, you've already got a little bit of an edge on the Lakers. And as you've mentioned, you know, the Clippers have been maybe a little bit wobbly here. And they took a pretty rough loss the other night to Denver. Uh, And, you know, to me, the Clippers are that kind of team where, much like last year, they can beat the average teams and the tanking teams, but they're going to struggle against, you know, higher quality competition. So if you've got the easiest remaining schedule, if you're Sacramento, like I guess if I was Dave Yeager, I would be preaching like total confidence to that group and just say, guys, we've been steady or, or fairly steady all season long. You look at their, you know, ratings in terms of offense and defense, I mean, they're basically right around middle of the pack like it's not like they have some big glaring weakness you know, on either side of the basketball they should be able to you know eke out 42 43 uh 44 wins that gets them in the playoffs you know if they're sort of the last man standing here uh, just because they have that little you know half step head start uh, over the lakers so i don't know i think the excitement about the possibility of a Warriors king series i saw that you know bubbling up cuz they had a pretty entertaining game yeah. uh, not too long ago that would be a pretty fun series it would also be over very quickly and ultimately it like this bubble talk is so pointless because golden state's going to wreck whoever they play as they've done you know in all these previous first round series but i think if there's one team that deserves some of the the karmic uh, benefit for how they've played this year and how they've conducted themselves from this group I think it's the Sacramento Kings. So, in yeah. other words, it would be like the biggest moral victory uh, in the league if Sacramento made the playoffs.
0: <laughs> it would be a big deal in part because I think everyone in Sacramento is so young that you can make a good case that, like, it's worth it to make the playoffs just as as uh, like for the symbolism of it, and then you can start taking the next steps over the next few years. Um, and as far as the Kings Warriors are concerned. Uh, that would be a great series for you know five percent of the audience, the like hardcore league pass addicts among us, which I think both you and I are in that category, and well, we would the, love it. Well, the
1: Northern Californians too, though. I mean, well, there's yeah. a regional thing at play.
0: No, absolutely, but I I will say that I was I was seeing some people extol the virtues of a Kings Warriors first round series, and thinking to myself like. A Lakers Warriors first round series, <laughs> maybe so, a wouldn't... little better. <laughs> yeah, like I think every every other basketball fan, every like well adjusted basketball fan would watch every second of Lakers Warriors. Kings Warriors might be a bit of a tougher sell. Um, yeah, out but... of
1: silver. I wonder which one he's rooting for. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I will say though, I spent some time with De'Aaron Fox in Charlotte over All Star weekend, and um, I spent a lot of time with him before the playoff or before the draft a couple years ago. And had a good time catching up with him. The, the two things he said are: number one, he's just, he's very very confident in the Kings and what they're building this year and over the next few years. And um, and I think he's the type of guy who may not have this the same talent that Demarcus Cousins had, but he can galvanize that team. And I think he's he's gone a long way toward just sort of like changing the momentum of the entire organization. And um, it speaks to the power of of a the right draft pick, you know, I, and this is a team that has just like bungled the draft year after year after year. I mean, going back writing that Fox piece, I had totally forgotten that they took Thomas Robinson, the six seven power forward from Kansas, over Damian Lillard, um, and that's in addition to like Jim or Fredette over Clay Thompson and Kawhi, Ben McLemore and Nick Stauskas in the top hey. ten.
1: Like, we, were, we were trying to be happy for the Kings no. fans. Why are you doing this? I mean, this, <laughs> this could go on for an hour and a half. Be careful, it's, man. It's don't, don't wade
0: into this water. We don't need to relive too much Kings draft history, except to say that they got it right with De'Aaron Fox. And it's been very cool to watch it play out. And, um, and you know, I think they may have gotten it right to a degree. Look, like, they're never going to live down passing on Luka. But Marvin Bagley is also really good and has gotten better almost week by week this year. And, um, you know, he put 28 on the Warriors on Thursday. He's having a really nice stretch here. Um, and the other thing, Fox won me over for life when he was asked, you know, because they do, like, the, the battery of interviews for each All-Star participant at All-Star Weekend. And um, in one, at one of the stations, he was asked if you had to pick one player from NBA history to take the last shot, who would you take? And he said, Gilbert Arenas. Um, So Fox has lifetime immunity from criticism with me.
1: Yeah, he's got some takes. He hates in and out and would rather have the ball in Gilbert (laughs) Arenas' hands than Michael Jordan.
0: Okay, all right, I I can see how that
1: is. Hey, you mentioned how you had done some pre-draft interviews with him. What was the biggest change or development, whether it's his personality or his game or his persona or whatever you want to call that you noticed from then until now because he's a guy you know he's he's off our radar basically for his first couple of years as he's trying to like get his legs in in Sacramento and fig- figure things out
0: yeah as far as the biggest change I think um the the changes in his game and, and it speaks to kind of the work that he's put in and a jump that he's made shooting that I, I don't think a lot of people envision for him in part because it just doesn't happen very often when guys talk about like developing their their outside shot and, and you know if he gets a jump shot like there's a whole category of guys throughout nba history who never quite get there but if if they could hit from 30 35 percent from outside you could see them being a star fox has actually done that and he's gotten much better as a two-point shooter and the floaters are falling falling more this year um so i think that's that's the jump and as far as differences in who he is like He's always just been a pretty authentic dude uh, who is very confident in himself. And um, the thing that is has changed the most, though, is like before the draft, we were talking about where he wanted to be. And some of it was kind of off the record, but he really wanted to be in Sacramento. And at the time, I remember sitting across from him being like, all right, man, like, good luck. I'm not sure what you see in the Kings or who is advising you, but like it seems like something you might regret and,
1: and on top of that there's no way you're getting past phoenix right like phoenix needs that point guard <laughs> like there's no way you're making it to sacramento
0: yeah and now though turn around and like sacramento seems like a really good situation and a lot of that is a credit to him and kind of the energy that he has brought and and i think some of it is just like a guy who really wants to be there and really believes in what they're building which wasn't always true of boogie you know what i mean
1: I do, and you can just imagine how great this team would be if Papayanis had panned out. I mean, they they wouldn't be on this bubble conversation, Andrew. Um, No, I do think that the attractive part about Sacramento for a player like him is that you get to be the man. Everything will be built around you. You get to um, grow and develop on your own timeline. You get lots of minutes right out of the gate. Um, You know, they did bring in George Hill as sort of like the – you know, the, the uh, you know, driver's school instructor there for the first couple of months, but they ditched that plan pretty quickly, Whoa. and it was just sort of his team to run. Yeah. And he's been up to the moment, and I think that he's got a fan base there that's going to love him forever. He's going to be selling millions of jerseys there locally. I do think it's kind of funny, though, because going back to the preseason, I remember that the scouts, you know, during our, our preview issue – we're taking a lot of shots at Sacramento's roster about how the pieces didn't fit. Nobody plays defense. Fox is shooting questions that you mentioned. How do these big guys, like how can they even construct a quality five-man lineup? Like, if I'm the Kings fans, I want a banner raised if they make the playoffs and the Lakers don't. Like, the Lakers (laughs) got LeBron, everybody wrote us off, we got the eighth seed. That feels like banner potential in the new building. What do you think?
0: The Kings were supposed to win 25 games this year and might actually make the playoffs. It's one of the wildest stories of the last, like, five or six seasons. Um, It's it's fantastic, and to beat the Lakers, I can't imagine how sweet that would be as a Kings fan. That was the last thing I was I was going to mention is sitting with Fox I was asking him about the Lakers rivalry and I was trying to like get him going like bring up the 2002 Western Conference Finals and he kind of stopped me and was like, look, like I was four years old during the 2002 Western Conference Finals. Bro,
1: you're old. I don't <laughs> yeah. care about your history. Trying was, to play video games.
0: It was pretty sobering. So, um, but hey, it's reignited this year. It's reignited for the next two months. Go Kings. I think that as a podcast, we can support Sacramento's playoff push. Um, do you have an official prediction as we as we finish this off here?
1: You know me; I don't like the grease pig stuff, Andrew. I'm, I'm still riding with LeBron, but it's, it's getting very bleak. And just selfishly, I'd love for an L.A. team to make the first round, just make my life a little easier. So, I mean, not that I would be against going up to Northern California and taking in Warriors-Kings. That would be a track meet, if nothing else. You yeah. know, I mean, you, you'd see some crazy scores, probably some, you know, playoff shooting records, um, you know, all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I, I think... The fact that we're actually talking positively about the Kings for more than two consecutive minutes, there's never been a title in (laughs) the history of this podcast where we've done that. It's not even close. And this isn't even just lip service. Like, I think this is genuine praise from us, which is pretty rare.
0: Yeah. Well, and Fox, to his credit, was like, look, we've come this far. It's a failed season for us if we don't make the playoffs. So, um, and I think that attitude whether they make it or not that attitude is why sacramento is for real over the next few years is because they actually give a shit and take themselves seriously right now so
1: yeah i mean that attitude is what happens when harrison barnes hits a couple three-pointers in april to get you over the hump for the eighth seed then you max him out for four years and (laughs) (laughs) that's what that attitude gets you but you know there could be a a downside to that attitude listen
0: (laughs) we're pro kings today at least for now Um, But moving on here, today's show is brought to us by Bombfell. Do you guys ever hate going shopping for clothes, but you still want to look good? Well, Bombfell is an easier way for men to get better clothes. And female listeners out there, if you want to treat the man in your life to a better shopping experience, check out Bombfell.com where you complete a simple questionnaire and then you get matched one-on-one with a dedicated personal stylist. They never charge above retail price for clothes. They offer free shipping and returns, convenient home try-on, and the ability to preview and edit your stylist's picks before your order ships. Ben, tell me a little bit more about the Bombfell experience. Drop the
1: bomb fell, Andrew, they have got you covered. Look, this company's clothing packages are fully personalized. Every piece has been handpicked for you by your own stylist. Don't you want that swaggy celebrity lifestyle? Bombfell brings it right to you. Your stylist emails you his or her selections and you'll have 48 hours to make any changes or even cancel the order altogether. If they just didn't get it that time, you're in total control. Then when you receive the clothes, you have seven days to tell us what you want to keep. And the more you keep, the bigger your discount will be. It's completely flexible. You can receive clothes when you want and you can pause and cancel at any time. It's sort of like, you know, those meal delivery kits, except instead of food, you're getting dope clothes.
0: Yeah. And I I will say I was able to sample the Bombfell service and work with a stylist one on one. And, Ben, I don't know how you feel about this, but, like, I feel at this point in my life I can master the basics, but I don't really know what's cool. And if I'm trying to look hip somewhere, I'm, I'm a little bit behind the eight ball. But yeah, the- I don't
1: have that problem, but I understand <laughs> that others do.
0: Well, you know, if you're trying to, like, blend in with the hipsters and, you know, I don't know. I... The Bombfell style has hooked me up. I'll say that much. And um, and I was able oh, it to- it showed.
1: You were killing it all over campus. Dude, get all these kids coming up to you saying, sir, where'd you get these amazing clothes? <laughs> Go to bombfell.com slash floor. Bombfell.com slash floor. That'll give you $25 off your first purchase.
0: That's right. That's dot com slash floor. They hooked me up just in time for- all-star weekend and uh i recommend it so check it out and with that ben let's get back into it um morgan says and he's emailed us several times about boogie's effect on the warriors and he says now the new golden state lineup is a net negative boogie has the worst net rating on the team smog is going down that is part of an elaborate hobbit analogy that he emailed us i am not going to read it because i didn't understand it but what's your read on boogie right now he seems to be struggling
1: how many times are we going to talk about this, Andrew? You bring up Boogie every second week. We've already been through the pros and the cons. The pros, he's got a lot of talent. He makes them very difficult to guard when they're locked in. The cons, he doesn't really move very well laterally. You can put him in pick and rolls. He's going to struggle. He's going to get into foul trouble. They're going to be fine. Just chill with the Boogie talk. Okay. It's driving me crazy.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't really give a shit. Um, I am a little bit I'm curious to see how much rope he has in the playoffs because it's going to be uncomfortable if he's still this player in two months. Uh, I don't uh, know. Is he going to get
1: th- outplayed by JaVale McGee? Oh, man, smog is going down. It's a Hobbit <laughs> reference. Give me a break, man. Come on. Well, like, really line up who they have to play. Who's taking advantage of him and going to beat them four times in a seven-game series? Well, the Maybe Rockets Houston. were
0: taking advantage of him on Saturday night.
1: Okay. So fine. that's one. So Houston – but you've already said for years that better versions of the Rockets were no threat at all to Golden State. So are you going to flip that around and try to tell me that this year's Rockets out of nowhere are going to be a team that's going to take down the Warriors because of DeMarcus Cousins? That would seem very intellectually inconsistent andrew
0: no i'm not saying that i'm curious about whether he's going to be benched when the games matter and and how that plays politically in golden state um but they're
1: they're not going to bench him from the title ring ceremony okay it's going to be fine
0: okay fair enough fine (laughs) um do you think draymond signing with clutch matters at all we could pivot to another warriors question here
1: for sure it does because i mean bob myers has been like Winning a lot of negotiations, even if they're just like smaller things on the margins, you know, like just getting guys not to take the full max, uh, you know, getting really nice targeted mid-level exception guys in recent years. Yeah, uh, you know, get, getting a pretty good deal with Iguodala, where it wasn't just about maximizing every single dollar. And I think if you and I were you know, let's just say we're in, you know, Draymond Green's, you know, family, extended family, and Draymond comes to us and says, hey, like, what is your suggestion for how to approach my next contract? You know, I've already won defensive player of the year. I've already won multiple titles. Uh, My legacy is in a good place. I'm on track for the Hall of Fame. What should I do with my next deal? Don't you think that both you and I would look at him and say, hey, Dre, get every dollar. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, really brass tacks this negotiation because, you know, at this stage of your career, after this next negotiation, your earning power is going to be severely limited. It's going to be, uh, you know, in a much less healthy place than it is right now. And that's the clutch mantra, isn't it? I mean, basically get guys paid as much as possible and, you know, approach negotiations, not as buddy, buddy. Oh, you know, Bob Myers, you guys took care of me, so I'm going to take care of you. Let's all make this deal. And I think, for Draymond individually, I think it's the right move, especially if KD leaves. I mean, it's going to be time for him to get a bigger slice of the pie. And I also think like Draymond would make a lot of sense in the Lakers too. We just spent ten minutes talking about how bad their defense is. Um, you know, bailing on Golden State for the for the Lakers and just like taking his uninterrupted game to the next level down in Los Angeles wouldn't be the worst career move either. So if I'm if I'm the Warriors, I hate this development. I'm I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, already on top of being nervous about Kevin Durant and I think it, it will wind up paying off for Draymond.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting cuz I could see Draymond and this is this was true even before he signed with Clutch which uh, others have said was in the works for several months and even as as much as a year. But um you know, I could have seen him demanding a max extension this summer golden state balking and then draymond turning around and demanding a trade like that was a possibility all along and now i wouldn't say it's likely but it's certainly um more of a possibility than it was a week ago and you know this the the warriors team could look very very different starting next year and uh, the question is like what can you get in a Draymond trade, unless he's going to LA after LA strikes out on free agents elsewhere, um, I don't know. All of that is is sort of percolating beneath the surface. As soon as Draymond signed with Clutch, and it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
1: Let me ask you this: If Golden State gave Draymond a Kobe-esque like career achievement contract, you know, yeah. like a big golden parachute, where? he wouldn't be quite as late in his career as Kobe was, but he might be towards the later stages of like his all-NBA level effectiveness. Uh Um, Would you have a problem with it? Let's say Katie leaves, right? Right. And it's like, all right, well, how are we going to spend this money? Well, let's just completely max out Clay and Draymond for their loyalty and just run it back with this group. Even if that wasn't like the exact right, you know, sort of accountant's decision, would you be okay with something like that?
0: I would love it as as an NBA fan who's watched the last like six or seven years. I would love to see that original nucleus have one last stand over the next couple of years and try to continue winning even without Durant. It doesn't seem like that's the direction that Golden State's management is going to want to go, though. I think they want to win over the next five or ten years and extend this window as they move into the san francisco building and like continue to own the sport and i don't know if paying draymond 150 million dollars is the way to do that and uh and that's part of why the standoff is going to be so interesting and and, you know i talked to to sam um i don't know if he would be comfortable with me divulging this but he said like. never stopped you before. You're always reading people's text messages
1: on this podcast. It's just shameless, but continue.
0: Well, well, no, I mean, we were talking about Draymond, and he said part of him as a Warriors fan would be more comfortable moving on so that, like, the title nucleus remains intact and they don't have to live through the down years as Draymond's body breaks down and, like, they can always cherish, like, the years they had together where they were unbeatable, and then everybody kind of goes their separate ways this summer. Um, which that makes sense to me too, you know, because if everyone's just going to be unhappy and worn down over the next few years, then maybe it's time to sort of head that off at the pass and switch it up be- before things get dark.
1: Yeah, I mean that all sounds well and good, but if you don't have another star lined up to kind of take his spot, then you're yeah. asking Steph to go out there with a bunch of minimum salary guys or whoever you can pull off the scrap heap and it totally. doesn't sound like any fun and so i don't know what I mean, you can
0: trade for him you know like i, I you're not going to get like aaron gordon or miles turner if you're trading draymond green right before he demands a max deal at age 30 like it that's a that's a tough trade asset
1: yeah i mean KD throwing their whole plan like up in the air has really has a lot of implications for every single one of these guys I really don't blame Draymond for kind of calling Kevin out about that early in the season when you think about it. You know, I mean, like, how many millions of dollars will Durant's decision alter Draymond's life? Could it determine whether he stays in Golden State long term or has to go you know, uproot his family and move somewhere else? I mean, absolutely it could. So I think it's probably a healthy sign that they at least got that out of the way early in the season. Yeah. Uh, but to me, it's like that tension is the only thing that can stop this team from winning. Like, if it were to you know, pop back up again in a meaningful way during the postseason, whether Katie has a slump or hogs a ball or whatever. Um, Otherwise, you know, I think we're guys like Draymond, those decisions are all waiting on whatever Kevin does in
0: July. Yeah, um, that's fair. But moving on here, uh, today's episode is also brought to us by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, options, cryptos, all commission free while other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. Ben, tell me a little bit more about Robinhood.
1: The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone tap, tap 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 boom you did it you can also view the stock collection such as 100 most popular to sift and sort through uh, potential stocks that you might want to invest in with Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your per- portfolio discover new stocks track your favorite companies and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest Robinhood is giving listeners of OpenFloor a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint, only blue chippers, to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at floor.robinhood.com. That's floor.robinhood.com.
0: All right. And let's get back to it with a an email from Andrew who says, My wife and I are sitting here watching King's Thunder on the League Pass free preview, <laughs> parentheses, baller Saturday night. And he says, the announcers just said something about some teams that have no identity. My wife said, so, like the Wizards. And I replied, no, they have an identity. It's just not a good one. She thought about that for a second before dropping this gem. And she said, I'd say they have a reputation, not an identity. Ooh, (laughs) I love it. It was right then that I realized we should have a podcast, since that off-the-cuff distinction made more sense than Ben's purpose Versus a perfect purpose argument um, okay
1: come on andrew the listener have your wife explain that one for you i'm sure she could because she's the one who came up with this gray line
0: well yes I, <laughs> I i mentioned that only because first of all a friend who listens to the podcast brought up your purpose versus a purpose argument the other day and was like i i still have no idea what that means <laughs> Um, but the reputation versus you guys are just killing me here.
1: <laughs> the IQ is just unbelievable.
0: Well, I, I I enjoyed it, and the Wizards absolutely do have a reputation and no discernible identity uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, so thank you for writing in, Andrew, and then another potential shot at the Golliver worldview from Brandon, who asks, which was worse for you, Golliver? Watching D'Angelo Russell drop a career-high 40 points while beating a playoff team, or watching Zach Levine drop a career-high 42 and beat a playoff team and title contender. And Ben, let me actually answer this on your behalf. I think this is proof that we are in the dog days of the NBA season. Because, first of all, D'Angelo Russell beating a quote-unquote playoff team. I had to look that up. That was the Charlotte Hornets. I don't know if we necessarily get to call them a playoff team.
1: It's the thirstiest, most asterisked (laughs) uh, email we've gotten. I mean, you have a fake all-star in D'Angelo Russell, only gets on through the back door. As you know, they didn't even sell his jersey at the arena, Andrew. We walked all through that arena because you wanted to buy me a jersey. It's going to be so funny. Make him wear a D'Angelo Russell jersey. You almost stoop to custom-designing a (laughs) D'Angelo Russell jersey because they didn't sell any in the building. That doesn't sound like a real all-star to me. And the Charlotte Hornets are absolutely not a real playoff team. You could say they're a playoff team, fine, but they're not a playoff team. You don't get credit for that. Now, in terms of Zach Levine just torching the Celtics, I mean, that said a lot more about the Celtics (laughs) than it did about Zach Levine.
0: Yeah, well, and also a playoff team and quote-unquote title contender. I don't know. Maybe it's time to start rethinking the Celtics as a title contender because I swear to God, after half of these Celtics losses, I look at their box score and, you know, Kyrie always gets his numbers. But outside of Kyrie, you look up and down the roster and it's like, I don't know how many of these players are actually good. And I think – the idea of them as a super team is is tougher, tougher and tougher to sell to people. So congrats to Zach Levine, but let's not go overboard.
1: I'm still upset here. Do I have to explain the purpose versus a purpose thing again? <laughs> like... Is is there ever a way where I'm going to be able to get through to you? Or have you just shut your mind down completely so you can't understand it on purpose? It's driving me crazy.
0: Well, part of the problem is that I love it because it's just gibberish that is never going to make sense, but that you're going to believe in (sighs) until the end of time. And so you can explain it. I'd appreciate it if you can, but...
1: it's fine. I'm not even going to (laughs) bother. Look, you can just... Live in your own little ignorances, bliss reality. The people who got it really got it. I connected with them. They might have needed mind altering substances to understand it, to get on my safe wave wavelength. But for those out there who do get it, I, sh- I have a lot of respect and appreciation for
0: it. <laughs> there you go. The true Goliver heads out there know exactly what he's talking about. And then two more questions before we get to your well, favorite. Real segment. quick though,
1: on Russell. I mean, isn't this setting up almost perfectly for the Nets? If they get if they somehow draw the Pacers. Yeah. If D'Angelo Russell is this guy you're telling me he's supposed to be, don't they need to win that series? Isn't he if he's the all star, he's the best player in that series. Don't they have to beat the Pacers in the first round if that's if that's how it matches up?
0: They would have a great shot. And I part of me also wonders whether Russell would become a, a good backup plan for the Knicks, um, if they can't steal Kyrie this summer. <laughs> oh, which look Good luck to ever team to whoever pays D'Angelo Russell 25 million dollars a year but like
1: good luck to whoever pays Kyrie too by the way I mean, those are some options I'm out on both
0: Yeah well that's another thing that we should talk about at some point I mean like the idea of pairing Kyrie and Kevin Durant sounds great I guess on social media but like when you really tease out how that pairing would work i don't see it ending well and like it if they if they add anthony davis obviously that changes things but like Kyrie and and durant like their games don't pair together very naturally
1: no it's a soft drink commercial i mean that's what it would be and they're not gonna they're, they're not gonna win a title i'll tell you that much i mean they might think they are but We have a problem with some superstars in this league of guys like Kyle Lowry. He he thinks he's a lot better than he actually is. Kevin thinks Kyrie's a lot better than Kyrie actually is, and I'm sure it's mutual, you know, vice versa. And I think that in that scenario, KD would have to be the number one guy. Kyrie would have to sacrifice and go back to being the number two guy. And what did we learn from his entire tenure of Cleveland? He didn't want that. What did he express as one of the reasons why he wanted to leave Cleveland so he could have his own team? how's having his own team going? Not very well at all. And so, (laughs) uh, yeah. And also, you know, Kevin has also said in Golden State, look, I didn't really want to be a leader. Like I'm cool with, you know, letting Steph Curry kind of carry that mantle, just going out there and doing me right. Yeah. Isn't that basically Kyrie's whole mantra too? Like it's not going to work if your top two guys who are, you know, two of the 15 best talents, 10 best talents in the league, Neither one of those guys wants to deal with the media or be a leader or rally the troops or set the tone or any of that stuff in a market like that. There's no way that's going to work.
0: Yeah, but it would be fun along the way. So I'm not against it. Uh, It would would
1: be fantastic. We already said we're moving to New York to watch it, but we're also (laughs) moving... We're moving for the car crash, you know, potential. We're
0: shorting Nick's stock at the same time we do that. Um, But moving on here, Dave says, Andrew, I'm a Syracuse fan, and I can't believe I have to stand up for Duke fans. But the kids in the Cameron crazy section not only camp out forever, but they have to pass a test on Duke and Duke basketball history. It's a pretty serious commitment even if it's just for the experience, I get it though. Golliver would totally do this, and you wouldn't. And I think that's uh, pretty- Finally,
1: a truthful and accurate email. You've been reading some <laughs> terrible ones today. Good job. I'm, it's I'm proud. It's a
0: pretty accurate perception. What could I do? We haven't gotten very many good emails. It's a boring time in the NBA season. Uh, and...
1: Hey, don't throw the listeners under the bus. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's my job to blame you and your job to take the blame. No, I'm kidding. Guys, email us, openfloormail at gmail.com, yes. openfloormail.com. At gmail.com. Hey, Andrew, do you think the Duke basketball history test, they asked them which years they lost at UNC or no?
0: <laughs> it better. And all I can say is the idea of a test to get into a stadium is even dorkier than I thought the Cameron Crazies were. Um, did you see I posted a, a photo of their cheer sheet from, from Wednesday night, and that was even dorkier than I could have imagined. So I stand by everything I said.
1: Look, their cheers were awesome. It was actually pretty funny. Somebody, uh, you know, in, uh, messaged me on Instagram. They said, hey, I was thinking about buying the, those uh, shoes with the app, you know, for my uh, for my brother as like a, a gag gift, you know, like, look how much, you know, I waste all this money on your your happy birthday present or whatever. And I was like, look, I can't even lie. I genuinely like these shoes. And I got a lot of compliments from the Duke students on them. And then I like did the like dot, dot, dot. And then I was like, Okay, I realize that's probably not like the best cosign that a bunch of (laughs) people who were sleeping in tents for a month and a half thought the shoes were cool. So maybe seek some outside opinions on them. That's an indictment, um,
0: not an endorsement. But um, (laughs) so it goes. Look at you.
1: (laughs) Reputation, not an identity. All right. Yeah.
0: Um, And then one more question. Xander says, Ben and Open Floor Globe members around the world, it's time to take a moment to give Andrew his proper respect. This, oh boy. this man is a. I'm Wizards usually fan. against this on
1: principle. I don't know where this is going.
0: Yes. Well, he says this man is a Wizards fan, along with the Celtics and Bucks and a couple of other teams I'm probably missing. He's a husband, a pretty good writer at a well regarded sports company, and a founding member of Giannis Inc. He entertains. Alexander,
1: hey, stop right <laughs> there. You're a good writer, not pretty good.
0: Come on. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I'm a co-founding member, along with you, of Yana be honest, Inc. Um, And he says he entertains us at least twice weekly with some fire takes, along with being generally right about all the big things in the NBA. Well, well. <laughs> but, he says, all of that pales in comparison to his greatest achievement of all, all caps, bringing down Robert Kraft and his prostitution ring in disgusting Florida. So uh, did you see that, that the detective in charge of the Robert Kraft prostitution sting was named Detective Andrew Sharp?
1: Not only did I see that, Andrew, I I got it from about 65 different listeners, (laughs) and they sent me the press conference video of Detective Andrew Sharp addressing the media—they all were saying, making the same joke. Boy, Andrew doesn't look like he does in the pictures that you post. What's going on here? People were very proud of you. I think that's actually why we didn't get a lot of basketball questions this week. People yeah. were just so enamored at your law enforcement skills. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious though. Like, were you undercover in the massage parlor? What was your exact role in bringing him down? I mean, you just take the credit after the fact, or yes, I, how how hands-on were you in this experiment? I
0: will gladly take credit after the fact, after successfully jinxing the Celtics with the Sports Illustrated cover in October, and now moving on to the Patriots. I am hard at work uh, at undoing the Red Sox dynasty, and um, it's all quite an honor, <laughs> And in all seriousness, like on Friday, you and I podcasted, uh, and so for anyone who didn't listen, it was my birthday, and I was pretty sick, and on a lot of different types of cold medicine, and opening Twitter to like 50 people being like, LOL, you brought down the Patriots. It was sort of like I was in the middle of like a waking dream, and um I wasn't sure what was real, but again, the... You were
1: like, how sick am I? Did I do
0: this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, am I hallucinating? Because I had you texting me about the podcast, and I was like, I don't know what's going on right now. Um, But uh, yes, you know, the Pats continue to be the classiest franchise in sports and the standard by which all other franchises are measured, and I uh, salute them for continuing to lower the bar in in a way that only they can.
1: Well, I guess we could say something along the lines that maybe Robert Kraft was making a pilgrimage to one of his favorite places And Andrew. You know what that means? <laughs> <Hold> it's <on. laughs> time for the long-awaited lantern segment. Are you ready?
0: Yes, but before we do, we have one more advertisement, one more sponsor oh, perfect. for today's podcast. Perfect. Just what we need. Oh, today's show is brought to you by SAP at NBA TV. Every NBA fan thinks they can be a GM, but could they really... Now, SAP and the NBA are putting four stat-savvy fans to the test in a new reality show called GM School. A team of celebrity judges, including championship GM David Griffin and Hall of Famer Kevin McHale, will decide who's ready for the front office and who needs another season to study, to study up. Catch GM School, powered by SAP, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on NBA TV. And now, Ben, move on to your favorite segment of the week, The Lantern.
1: Okay, so just like Bob Kraft going to Florida or you and me going to uh, Durham to check out Duke basketball, we asked on Instagram for this week's The Lantern 3 if by Graham interactive segment with our listeners, what is the coolest pilgrimage that you've gone? It could be sports, it could be non-sports, whatever – We got some amazing answers, Andrew. We had people who went on pilgrimages to see every single Andy Warhol exhibit across the country. We had people who went to OutKast's studio in Atlanta. Uh, We had our listener, Kiara, who says she went on a pilgrimage to retrace Che Guevara's steps throughout South America. That sounded unbelievable. And we also got one very uh, heartfelt message from longtime listener, Britt Quinn, who said that she was adopted from South Korea. And so after she graduated college, her older brother took her on her first trip to Seoul. It was pretty fitting that one of her biggest influences in life was also there to experience where uh, she came from. I mean, that basically brought a tear to my heart. So what I'm trying to say here is the Open Four globe covers the entire globe with these pilgrimages. But we have three top stories, and I'm not sure exactly what your job going to be this week, Andrew. You're Dr. Sharp in these scenarios. Maybe you're going to have to decide whether you would do these pilgrimages right now. How about that? Sure.
0: (laughs) I I can get on that.
1: Sticking with the North Carolina theme, we've got Jordan Reed who writes in, for my grade six graduation, my dad got me a spot at the UNC basketball camp. I found out a few days before the trip, but it meant I had to miss my elementary school graduation and the only dance that we have in elementary school. When I told my friends, they thought I was crazy for missing out on the most significant event of our years uh, in our lives to that point and traveling that far away to a basketball camp. They just did not understand the pilgrimage aspect of this trip. Keep in mind, I grew up and still live in a small town in Nova Scotia, Canada. This meant I had to fly to North Carolina, a seven-hour trip with two connecting flights, Um, I also assumed that my dad had to really work hard to convince my mom to let me go because she is a grade school teacher. So then he says, shout out to Ollie for sending in his proof last week and his beef with KJ. So I decided to take a page out of Ollie's book and send a picture in with myself in sixth grade with University of North Carolina basketball coach Roy Williams. And he sent in the picture. Roy Williams is wearing khaki pants with a, a brown belt. He's holding a basketball that is Carolina-colored that has a, a fake autograph with Roy Williams on it. He's wearing a Carolina you know, basketball-colored polo shirt because, of course, he is. Uh-huh. And the kid is wearing a, a white T-shirt. Looking a lot like you might look before you got bomb felt to kind of up, up, upgrade your wardrobe <laughs> and uh, a Carolina jersey with a nice quality buzz cut, he says U N C is a basketball fan's bucket list item and I'm glad that we can all cross that one off. So let me ask you, Andrew, if the open floor globe rallied and paid for you to go to the U N C basketball Roy Williams, you know, elementary school camp, yeah. and you know, granted you're you're 30 plus and I don't know if you turned 40 on your birthday or what. Um, would you go right now? Uh, if we gave you the ticket?
0: <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, come on. I have to draw you a line. Come on, you'd go. <laughs> um, if they have any sort of adult version of UNC basketball camp and and open floor donated or rallied or we raised some money for charity, uh, I would maybe consider it. I will say that I went as a child and it lived up to all my expectations. What? Of course, yeah. What. You,
1: so who was the coach back
0: then? Um, I believe Bill Guthridge was the coach at that oh. point. Um, oh,
1: no, Andrew. That's horrible. Uh, Didn't you? No. Were you just sitting there the whole time wishing it was Dean Smith?
0: It was phenomenal. And I got to take a picture with Guthridge and Dean Smith because Dean oh. was still very connected to the program at that point. And I believe the signatures on my photo are real and probably on his photo as well. Um, no, my favorite part of that camp was uh, – I got to get food next to Ronald Curry, a great Tar Heel point guard who played football as well as basketball. I also got to order dominoes um, with Julius Peppers, who obviously went on to great fame and fortune in the NFL, but at that point was also an awesome Carolina basketball player. And, uh, and, And Vince Carter came out and spoke to us. Like, it was... Back then, Carolina was really humming and had, like, an extended NBA family, and uh, that camp was, like, an all-time childhood highlight. So I support anyone's pilgrimage to Carolina basketball camp.
1: That sounds way better and way cooler <laughs> yeah. of an experience that I just never envisioned you having in your life. I can't believe you've never told that story before on this podcast. I feel a little bit uh, left out. Well, to be honest.
0: and also it's probably better than Carolina basketball camp would be now. I mean, we didn't get into it on the last podcast, but like the state of Carolina's NBA alumni is a bit concerning to me. I think we've got like Harrison <laughs> Barnes, Wayne Ellington, uh, one of the Zeller brothers, and Reggie Bullock. <laughs> those are the only ones who are really flying the flag these days. So um, we need to, you know, work on the recruiting a little bit as far as NBA stars are concerned. But
1: uh, yeah, you you might have to go to the Duke camp and get mentored by Brandon Ingram. That's what it sounds like. It's Maybe upsetting. You, yeah. You're, your nephew can show you a few jab steps, or what do you think?
0: Look, there's no question that the Carolina facilities are still cooler. Carolina in general is still cooler. The colors are better, so we're we're winning most of the categories. We just need to work on the NBA family. But um, yes, I support the Nova the Nova Scotia pilgrimage. That's a, that's serious dedication. A seven hour flight, probably very expensive. Um, but I'm glad he got to do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, think about missing the dance too. I mean, that was no small, no, no small sacrifice. What great parents he had up there. Okay. That was number one. Number two, Andrew comes from the salts. I believe he's one of our Australian listeners because he started using kilometers and you know how it goes with that, but he (laughs) writes the longest pilgrimage I made is roughly 17,600 kilometers, all to watch a couple of sec football games. I attended the vastly underrated University of South Carolina for a study abroad semester in 2014, and it's fair to say, much like Andrew and Taco Bell, I became instantly addicted, and now I very much consider myself an SEC elitist, which is a superior position to even the Western Conference elitists. <laughs> uh, his uh, mate and also Open Floor Globe member, Coey, decided that he would also go to the University of South Carolina on a study abroad trip. As soon as the Salts found out, he decided to drop everything, skip a university exam, and make the 25-hour journey back to my beloved William Bryce Stadium for the first football game of the season. Along the way, who did he bump into at the Dallas airport, but none other than DeMarcus cousins. Wow. This was during the Kings day. So he was looking very grumpy and in no mood to interact with the general public. Yeah. Sounds I about right. His
0: default setting. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> he says like Ben, I do consider myself a win connoisseur. So when I was stateside with Coe, we decided that after we saw the University of uh, South Carolina football game, they should drive a further six hours down to Tuscaloosa to see the infamous 2015 football game between Alabama, and old Miss. So Andrew, the reason why I bring this up is after our very successful college basketball road trip, are, are we going to have to expand? Are we going to have to do open road part two and do a full driving tour of the Southern United States to catch a bunch of football games at some point here in the next few years?
0: Um, I don't know about a full driving tour. I will say that I... When I was in college, I used to joke about wanting to go do a semester abroad at an SEC school. So (laughs) um, I'm envious. What a Yankee take from you. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is absolutely a Yankee elitist take, but I think it would have been a lot of fun. Um, So I'm envious of uh, the Salts or whatever his real name is. I bet that was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, look, uh, we've talked about it in the past. I would love to go down for a big LSU game. The problem is, like, the heart of the SEC schedule coincides with like uh, preview season in the NBA and the NBA really kind of kicking into high gear in the middle of October. But uh, like, if you want to bookend or, or, or block out some time for us um, late October, I'm down for any kind of SEC road trip one weekend.
1: It's good to hear that, Andrew, because one of the reasons why I brought this up is because you actually, you were sick, but you left me hanging during the South Carolina portion of the road trip. And you know how road trip (laughs) stories are kind of like fishing stories. They just get better and better with age. The part that I didn't tell the listeners about the road trip from last week is that I took a detour to South Carolina by myself because I just needed to get a magnet from one of those from South Carolina because I'd never been there before. I picked out Myrtle Beach because I knew they'd have magnets and uh, it was, it's a beach town, so it's completely empty. It was basically a ghost town. I was all by myself. I sadly rode to the top of one of those Ferris wheels so I could like (laughs) look out over the city again, all by myself the whole time. I'm just thinking like, man, I wonder if Andrew's really sick or if he just bailed on me. So I guess what this is actually is a standing, um, invitation to the salts. If you're ever headed back to the uh, university of South Carolina, my first South Carolina experience was not nearly as good as yours. So, you know, maybe you, please save me. And, and maybe your presence will help convince Andrew that it's actually worth to uh, worth it to cross state lines.
0: Yeah, I, I can report that I was really sick and still am a little bit sick. But I that South Carolina detour would have been a tough sell regardless for me. <laughs> I admire your dedication. I also like that, like most people don't know that you are trying to hit all 50 states and have a magnet from all 50 states so you saying like out of context yeah i just needed to go down to south carolina and find a magnet. (laughs) yeah i hope so (laughs) you sound like an insane (laughs) person uh but did you like the magnet i
1: got though uh, I sent you a picture of it. It said Southern till I die. And it had a guy with a Confederate shirt. Yeah. And it was like really a skull, a skeleton with two guns. I mean, that just really summarizes everything I'm about. Doesn't yeah,
0: absolutely. It? That's you. Southern till you die. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: proudly on my refrigerator. Okay. The third and last one. And by the way, uh, honorable mention to the guy who puked on the Abe Lincoln monument at age three after having too much jello and then made a pilgrimage back to the Abe Lincoln monument to sort of I guess, get right with the world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Number three, though, is from Spencer Brown. He writes, Summer 2017, my wife and I made the National Park Pilgrimage of all National Park Pilgrimages. I was just starting medical school in the fall, and being huge National Park heads, decided to see as many parks as we could. In April, we bought a 2006 Honda Odyssey minivan, removed the seats, and built a bed with storage underneath. We quit our jobs and moved our stuff from Chicago to Salt Lake City and departed from there. For the next three months, we lived in the minivan and drove from park to park enjoying the best stuff the U.S. has to offer. When it was all said and done, we had visited every national park in the contiguous United States plus Banff uh, and quick stops in Canada and Mexico, driving a total of 25,000 miles. We summited Long's Peak at fourteen thousand two hundred fifty-nine feet, descended to Badwater Basin at negative two hundred eighty-two feet, climbed rocks in Yosemite, and saw the first sunrise in uh, the first sunrise in the U.S. on the longest day of the year. Easily the greatest thing I've ever done. P.S. He writes, "When you're ready to make your own extended national park pilgrimage, Salt Lake City is the perfect staging area." Plus, to a few fellow true national park head like yourself, the van is available to borrow any time. Andrew, <laughs> so are you willing to drive 25,000 miles with me in a 2006 Honda Odyssey minivan to crisscross the country to see this beautiful outdoor parks that, the, that our country has to offer? What do you think?
0: Uh Absolutely. I think that's the plan for what? The, the 2023 lockout when we are... Wait,
1: starting. are you serious? Sure. Why not? I mean, look... Don't... Andrew, don't play with me. Don't play with my heart. This is
0: amazing. <laughs> this, I thought for sure that was going to be an absolutely not. Are you serious? Well, no. This is like when I committed to the Jordan pilgrimage back in July <laughs> and only half meant it and in my head was like, what the hell are we even talking about here? So... I'm not fully committed, but I am enthusiastic, and it sounds great. Honestly, when you were reading it, I was like, I don't know any time in my life when I would be able to pull that off. Um, But perhaps, we we, look, there's a real shot that we're going to have a lockout in three or four years, and maybe we'll have a a month or two where we can just kind of like go off on a journey, podcast from the road. Maybe maybe the podcast will be even more popular then and um, we'll be able to just like make it work through the lockout. And do You know
1: how when you're supposed to do the live podcast shows, you do it in like really big cities so that like you maximize the number of people who can get there. Like you do it in LA or Vegas during Summer League or New York or DC. Yeah. It would be hilarious to do a live podcast show like in Glacier, That's- like the hardest to reach place. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was how-
0: thinking a live podcast for like the, the mountain lions and the bears and whoever else are in the various Utah national parks that we'd be hitting.
1: Yeah, we straight up have like one fan and then two rangers who just feel sorry for us. You know, like they set the chairs up and they're like, all right, we'll stick around and listen to these morons. Yeah, it would be pretty fantastic. I don't know, Andrew, that seemed like another high quality lantern segment to me brought to you by LinkedIn. As always, they don't really (laughs) sponsor it, but I like to pretend. Can I Andrew, our listeners? Hold on one
0: second. I have one pilgrimage story of my own to share. Oh, a little twist. I love it. The best pilgrimage I've ever taken in my life was when I was 18 years old, and it was the spring of my senior year in high school. And it actually does involve North Carolina basketball because...
1: Wait a minute. I think you might have told us this story. Did I? (laughs) I think so. I think it involved getting your PlayStation taken away from you. I don't want to spoil the ending.
0: (laughs) Okay, well... All I can say is that I had followed that 2005 North Carolina basketball team since its inception, since Matt Doherty was recruiting Raymond Felton and Rashad McCants and Sean May in high school, and I watched them mature, and that was their junior year in 2005, and they made a run to the Final Four, and after they beat, I believe, Michigan State on the Saturday night, to make the NCAA final uh, on the following Monday, I decided that I was going to skip school and take my family's car with a friend of mine down to North Carolina to watch the national title game in the Dean Dome. Um, And I did not know a single person at North Carolina, but we just kind of, it was a spur-of-the-moment thing. We were 18 years old and stupid and uh with very little responsibility and so we just made the trip and wound up having the best night of my life watching unc win the national title partying with a bunch of strangers jumping through bonfires in chapel hill didn't go to sleep until like five or six in the morning and it was awesome so that was my pilgrimage to celebrate the 2005 unc title game
1: but then there was the back, there was the backlash when you got home, right?
0: I mean, your parents weren't feeling I that. oh yeah, I was grounded for the for like 6 weeks following <laughs> that game. Um and
1: That's the best part. You
0: know, it's all part of the experience. It was completely worth it though. So I have no regrets.
1: I can confirm that when you went back to Carolina, not only were you getting a little misty in the Carolina Basketball Museum at like Sean made shorts and all the other, you know, memorabilia, but you were kind of walking around Chapel Hill with this little gleam in your eye. Like, this is where I was. <laughs> well, when I was 18 years old and I escaped my parents for two glorious days, and Carolina, you know, vaulted into basketball immortality. It was I mean, you, were, you were getting the feels.
0: Because, listen, like, Chapel Hill in the spring is just about the best place in America, and I had never been in, like, a college environment before. And so, you know, seeing a college on the day of a national title game is, like, the best possible time to experience any school. And so just the whole environment was special, and um, I remember booing Duke. They had a Coach K ad. Remember when he endorsed – American Express and said he's more than just a basketball coach. Watching an entire stadium of Carolina fans like boo the shit out of Coach K during the title game was great, and so just top to bottom, an A plus experience. Um, anyone out there who is wondering whether they should make an impulsive trip to worship their favorite team, always say yes. You know, especially if you're 18 years old.
1: No, we're definitely pro pilgrimages, and my favorite part about that story, actually, upon reflection, is how it was the lantern that moved you to this beautiful memory lane, and that's really the the joy and and the purpose of the lantern is to bring about good feelings and vibes across the planet. I'm so glad that you're willing to to hop in, you know, head first and and join in with all of us, Andrew. It's, you know, really, you know, brighten my day, listeners. You can email us, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. Check us out on Apple Podcasts as well. We have a page that says Open Floor. That's two words. Find the page, scroll down. Uh, it will say rate and review, tap five stars. It's just that easy, and it really helps us spread the gospel as it were. We're also on the world famous radio.com slash open floor. Andrew, they can also check me out on Instagram at ben.golliver That's where the great Lantern content goes up. And I know you're really excited about it. You're all in now. It's amazing to see your uh, <laughs> transformation from being anti-Lantern to pro-Lantern. It's just great. Uh, until later this week, Andrew, I will talk to you.
0: All right, man. Take it easy.